Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan, and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted, to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is Two Dudes with an Opinion. They updated it. it. Well, and so one thing that's really interesting too is now they host uh, podcasts and such now. So I'm like, ooh, since we're paying for this, we might as well use them as the uh, the host instead of going somewhere else. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So all right, let's get going. What are we talking about today? Woo! Extreme ownership, chapter nine, the plan, baby. The plan. <laughs> planning. Planning, planning, planning. Um, so yeah, I was looking at that the the business case and it was um it makes sense in the in one one regard. The problem is they weren't exactly the problem is it's not um They're so vague in their description of it because they have to protect the their client. So they are sure. being extremely vague. And that's what makes it super difficult to kind of understand, I think, for people. So, I mean, I like – honestly, I, th- I like this chapter in the sense that um, I think it's an extremely important thing for uh, people to – know about and to understand and all that stuff so let's well okay let's dive in like what do you remember the uh the story that they were telling at the beginning of the chapter yeah so they start off with uh the intel officer bringing them some information that inside the yard uh they, they have ieds and they probably have barricaded uh, machine gun well, positions. Okay, yeah, but why are they, why do they know that? Like, what what is it that like what are they trying to do? So that that's that's the introduction. That's like the first sentence. Yeah. What they're trying to do essentially is save one. They, they yeah. say teenager. I got the feeling is a younger teenager, like fourteen or something. That's the but, impression I got as well. Okay, so the, basically, there's a uh, Iraqi police officer that had his um, nephew kidnapped for a fifty thousand dollar ransom. Yeah, isn't that insane? Right, and that must be easy. Um, at that time, I remember what that like. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, this must have been uh, whatever. I mean, move th- on. This was pretty well into the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Probably shortly at shortly before um, Congress was raising hell about waterboarding. So oh, yeah, <laughs> um, which I Don't totally work. think is so bad, so so bad. Yeah, the um, you know, not that you know, letting people keep cutting off heads or torturing people to death is a, <laughs> a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying, he, you know, you have to maintain the high ground no matter what, <laughs> and the the more nephews that get tortured and blown up uh it's sad but you know as long as we can maintain our values i think that's all that matters phil, phil is uh walking the uh the the political tightrope right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I just had fun with that yeah so this kid gets kidnapped and they they ask for the ransom and well what do we do well we do not negotiate with terrorists so they make the decision at least not this time (laughs) yeah at least not this time you know they're like you know what no we are going to go in and rescue this kid and so they start putting together a plan for how they are going to go about um rescuing him is this the one with butters this is butters yep yeah intel officer butters 
butters. <laughs> right? yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't understand that cultural reference. I wanted to check it out. What? But, yeah, no, yeah. I don't. Is that like from The Office or something? I don't no, know. No, it's from South Park. Oh, okay. Mountain, no, watch South Park. Okay, <laughs> I got it to do. <laughs> South Park is. Um, they are very prophetic. They're like, <laughs> isn't that terrible? I've, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, they're like the Babylon Bee in, in that they're they do a lot of satire. I don't watch them on a regular basis. Like I, I think I've only ever seen one episode in full, and that's it. But I've seen a few. But they are definitely um, very like prophetic about some stuff, and it's hilarious. It's like the Babylon Bee. Did they have? Um, was it then that predicted uh, a Trump presidency? Babylon Bee or South Park? No, South Park. No, Simpsons. The Simpsons. Simpsons oh, wow. The Simpsons in the mid 2000s had an episode where Trump was on an escalator, going down an escalator in Trump Tower, waving at cameras and stuff to make an announcement about his run for presidency, the presidency. And then that's exactly what happened when when Trump made or maybe not exactly what happened, but like that happened. So they're they're the ones who made that prediction, The Simpsons. Um, But no, South Park is uh, predicted a lot of other things that came true. Uh, Anyway, 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 we are off the rails. (laughs) Um, Pulling them back on the track. So there's this ensign that is an intelligence officer who comes and helps them out a bit to like know what is going on to understand the uh the area so one thing that we all have to understand that we have to try to understand when it comes to these types of operations they rely very heavily on what is called human intelligence um oh geez what's the acronym i forget what the acronym is maybe you remember it uh and so like we want very often like when we're when we are watching movies and such they're like oh zoom this satellite into this exact building and we can capture a picture of them walking into the building or three years in the future yeah exactly no no that doesn't happen and even with uavs that still doesn't happen um very what what happens is we get lots of information from people on the ground and that's what why hence the name human intelligence so phil what are you doing i was about to type a message and i hit the wrong key because good job i just want to say something at least you didn't at least you didn't drop out by accident (laughs) right never done that (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) then we have to piece together the episode oh i hate that right and name the labels yeah Yeah. and so everything is annoying um so butter's job is to capture and, and gather all of this human intelligence and then present it to the SEAL operatives so that the operatives, I say operatives, operators, operators can then um, make their plans, make all of these updates and, and things like that and, and lay out their job and, and move on and, and actually go and execute and perform their their duty and everything. The, the really crazy part about this is it's like they, they make a really good plan they have a good like it's a generally good plan and then right as they're leaving butters bursts into the room and says uh we got some new info there's ieds as phil referred to <laughs> right and, and you say it like he's excited but he comes in like yeah. terrified yeah. Right? Like he's, he's like, you know, he peed himself and he's, he's like stressed out. Right. Cause he's thinking he's like his whole SEAL team is going to die on him because he doesn't give them this information. So I, I imagine like, uh, so you imagine that like a gated in yard with a, like a 10 foot wall and they can probably going to go through the front gates and the whole area around the yard has chains of IEDs, which is good enough to take out like a hundred thousand people right 
um, you know, rock the whole neighborhood if they decide to send them all off. And well, now they have to deal with that. Let's let's pause for a second. And if I remember correctly, you 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 correct me on this. Most of the homes, particularly of the the upper upper middle class type area in in the Middle East, what the way they are designed is you have a courtyard before you actually walk into the home. So for for most of uh, the for most of the West, the way we have our homes is you as you walk up, you walk right up to the front door. There, uh, you have a yard, and then you walk right up to the front door. Um, but the way they've, the way the culture is, the way they've built everything in in the Middle East, you don't have that. You have a courtyard first, and it's a walled in courtyard, right? Yeah, it offers yeah. a little privacy. You know. Yeah, you, you got to keep in mind you should keep your wife and family private. You should keep your kids kind of protected from too much view, right? The you should have an area for worship. You should have you know nice clean space, and of course, you know if you have some money, you have a nice wall, a nice a yard, and you know, yeah, that's so, kind of it, a sign of wealth. And and then you've got the a door blocking that off, so you kind of block off your view. So it just, I'm laying this out because that's why that's where they're they're they have like oh, they say they have all the IEDs and, and things like that. Am I right? Yes. Cool. And then if they do get in, they have like uh, assumably bunkered in position. So imagine like you know four foot high of sandbags, right and uh, a machine gun, you know, sat there waiting to, you know, blow up anything that comes through the door. You know, imagine like, three, uh, you know, the three, you know, what was that? 300? Uh, you know, you can, you can imagine like Sparta coming through the door. Yeah. And getting blown away. So, well, and, and, and that's exactly um, like, that's exactly what happens. Like they, 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 they bust through the door they it, what well they bust through the door then the iraqis stutter yeah the they're not the not the terrorists not the the kidnappers the iraqi forces that are working with them yeah like they, yeah just to remind everybody at this point they have integrated iraqis troops with them i i saw i think like 15 troops they had something like iraqi that. troops or something like that or was it, it was a good people? size force that's the interesting aspect of all this yeah, it was a yeah, like I, I suspect part of the reason why they did it the way that they did it with the, the size of force is to kind of send a clear message and be like, look, we are not messing around with this stuff. We are going through and, and we are. You can't do this because if you do this again, you're bringing the wrath of God has come down on you is essentially what they're trying to to. That's what I suspect that they're trying to do. I like the way um, you brought God into that conversation. Well, I mean, <laughs> okay, I could say the wrath of the United States military, but well, you know, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> long and short of it is, and it really is short. This is the crazy part. Like the the their Iraqi counterparts. As, as Phil said, they bulk. They don't do anything. And then very quickly, the SEALs take over. They, like, set everything aside. And then within a matter of seconds, they secure the entire building and they rescue the yep. hostage. Yep. So, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> I know the mental image is beautiful. So, the, the oh, yeah. objective was first go there with stealth, to be quiet, not to be, like, take their time get there real quietly, not have any sign of their presence. I'm assuming they did this still in the dark. And once they once they breached that, to get through it so fast that if they had to push the, uh, ignite the IDs, that they wouldn't have time to physically get to a switch unless they had it in their hands. And, mm -hmm. and assuming still they were sleeping. Mm -hmm. So uh, I imagine the whole process took probably like 25 seconds. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it says here, within a minute, every room had been cleared and all prisoners were under our control. Like, yep. they move quick, which yep. is phenomenal. So, and like, no, 
No casualties. Yeah, no casualties. Yep. Nothing. I don't think they even had to kill anybody on this one. Exactly. The, yeah. um, their goals weren't to kill the bad guys uh, unless they had a good excuse, I think. Right. Um, the, the, the command was, if you pull the trigger, make sure it's bad. Yes. Yep. And the the uh, third objective after so the objectives orders be quiet get in there once you get there go fast third pr- uh, provide medical treatment to the kid essentially um, and it, this was essentially designed to be a big PR stunt yeah right? yeah and they, in the end I think they said it went over well uh, it, it turned out like a big win for the Iraqi uh, government and. Uh, kind of gave them some motivation which is awesome like it's stuff like that that you kind of need especially for that time frame so i mean yeah i mean the police officers getting their family kidnapped and normally tortured and beheaded come on you can't let that go on very long yep so i mean and a lot of it is all definitely due to their their proper planning. They did a good job of that. Like, and that's kind of what the, the topic of the chapter is all about. They want to dive in like they, they're, they're trying to talk about and explain how important planning is. Um, I know. So I know some, uh, a lot, there are a lot of people out there who, just want to dive in and do things like they, they just want to they're, they're chomping at the bit and they want to dive in and and just go for it and so and like i i have dealt with people who are like okay i'm guilty of this a lot well yeah you are and, and i say that as someone who has uh taught you <laughs> <laughs> but i'm very different with my clients so, so be fair with me on this. Um, I am being fair with you on this. <laughs> I, I am very much a uh, shoot first, aim next, and later see if there should have been consequences I should have known about before I started shooting. <laughs> this is i feel like there's a term for that (laughs) the like range finder type thing you know you shoot (laughs) you shoot to make sure you you're at least close to target (laughs) so in in the army when when i was a kid the, the concept was fire ready aim oh yeah so yeah there's times to uh, and just like they had in the plan, right? There are times to uh, be quiet, yep. and in the split, in the flick of a switch, there's times to burn it down. Yes. Yes. And you know, the, I was thinking of um, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Christo was talking about it, and I can't remember who he referenced. Oh, uh, Christo. <laughs> there's um, there's a, the concept of somebody who's uh, somebody who's there's when you're planning, right, you have people that are getting in the plan and giving help, helpful use of information. Then you have those idiots. They're just always contradictory, mm-hmm. right? They're just always playing devil's advocate and that's their excuse, uh, which I do a lot, but they, they come up with, uh, they're just doing it to hear themselves and to entertain themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they, there's, hmm. Let me, let me think about this. Contradictory. Some people are just contradictory. Yeah. Uh, contrarian. That's contrarian, the word. That's the word I was looking for. Good job. Yeah. Um, just, that's what I love about you. <laughs> you really the, raise the level of my friends with IQ. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what my IQ is, so good luck. Yeah, yeah don't, don't find out. It's just going to embarrass me. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, so there are, there are two types of contrarians. I think there are the types who are just contrarians to be contrarians. Like you were talking about the, the types who they just want to be, um, 
they do it to be a center of attention yes kind of piss on the parade or they just don't like somebody and they're going to be contrarian yes Uh, there's a whole form of basis for it ever from ego to not ever learning how to socialize correctly in the first place well and one of the interesting aspects of that is sometimes they don't know that they are doing that um they may not like someone and they may be constantly con- uh, being contrarian with that person be uh so constantly speaking out no, that's, against that's them and not necessarily well, that's not the kind of contrarian we're talking about that's just a better relationship no i don't think that's just a ba- i don't think that's a bad relationship i think that's just somebody who's immature okay that i'll go with that because like it's it requires maturity for you to to recognize I don't like this person. That's why I'm. That's why whenever they say something, things come pop into my head. And you need maturity to be able to sit there and be like, "All right, this thing popped into my head. I don't like this person. I'm not going to necessarily say what I'm going to say." Now, that's like like I said that, that of course mature a lot of maturity, um, and some people just don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> But then there's the but so there's that type of contrarian, and then there's a, the there's actually probably three contrarians. I, maybe there's your type of contrarian where you <laughs> like to to say negative things to stir up the pot to make things interesting. You're not necessarily like you are not necessarily the type of person a contrarian who is trying to stop things from happening. You're uh-huh. you're just saying things just. For the fun of it, really, is really oh, yeah. what I would. would yeah, um, I guess we can call that kind of contrarian an idiot. I no <laughs> useful no. idiot. No, more of like a jester. Okay, um, that's a nice way to say it. Yeah, it's you're. It's more of a you're more jester. But then, and and that's fine. Like that's fine because I will do that too. Um, Honestly, I think that is a a a, um, a quality that people who were in the military at some point develop and carry with them throughout their entire life. Yeah, I think that's I noticed that. Yeah, I think is I think there there's just a lot of military people who who do that, and a lot of that is because we have to deal with a lot of BS, and so we have to like joke past the BS. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think it's a, a self-defense mechanism to yeah. realize uh, something really bad may be around the corner if it's not flushed out. And if you can bring a little bit of humor to it, you can make yes. something really ugly sound kind of less ugly, but bring out the need to talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. And on top of that, one of the interesting aspects of being that type of contrarian is you can start getting people to laugh. And when you can get people to laugh, like you start bringing together the team. That's what's interesting, too, about it. Um, But then there's the third type of contrarian. And these are the like the useful types. They're the ones who sit there and are are pro mission, pro whatever. But mm-hmm. they sit there and they think of the problems that can arise, and they sit there and they ask, "Okay, what about this? What about that? What about these things?" And I find, honestly, I find a lot of programmers will fall will fall into this category. And the reason why programmers fall into that category is because we have seen these issues before. Like we often, um, one of the big things or one of the biggest issues that I always run across whenever I'm working with a new client or new designer is what about error states? Like in edge cases. Yes. Like we don't know very often what happens is designers and product owners have a pie in the sky view of the way, um, something should operate like they're very optimistic and that's great cool you should be you absolutely should be optimistic but the problem is that they the designers and product owners will will miss error states like they'll, they'll miss what happens when we have an empty screen what happens if we um forget that or what what happens if we get bad data back like what do we display what do we show the the user and designers will be like oh 
I didn't think of that. It's like, exactly. We need to think about that stuff. So it's the job. It tends to be the job of the, the programmer because we deal with all of that, the, the problems to think of those situations because the, the, the problem, what, what ends up happening. And I, I speak very much from experience on this. Programmers are the ones who get blamed for bugs and, and they really, really do. Um, I know a lot of product owners. I know a lot of people will sit there and be like, oh, no, like they're, we're not blaming. It's like, no, no. I have seen too many times where the question, because, well, why didn't you take care of that? Why didn't you think of that before? It's like, well, because we didn't, because we were like you, you you put a tight deadline on us we brought up an issue and you just swept it under the rug we like there's a whole sequences that lead up to that and i and this actually kind of leads back in, into the planning and, and everything so what one of the so programmers have to become those contrarians and there is like there is a stereotype in it, uh, of many programmers of like the disgruntled programmer and I, to be honest that the stereotype is very real like i see it all the time and i will sometimes be a disgruntled programmer and all of that has to do and all of that comes back to the fact that we didn't plan properly when we were building out things like when we were building out a screen or or something like that and the uh just the product wasn't planned out properly and we didn't bring up those issues. And so when we come in like to a fresh new project and we start bringing up those issues and like, I seriously have had product owners who would be sitting in a meeting and all of the programmers would be talking to the product owner saying, we need this, we need this issue. We need a decision on this. And the product owner gets like, so like I I literally had a product owner get so angry and so upset that he tur- he turned off he he, he dro- dropped off the call mid meeting <laughs> mid sentence oh, and, and the thing is like we were constantly bringing up issues to him and it's like look you got to understand that we're trying to plan these things out properly we're trying to do all of this and and a lot of this like kind of goes like i say it goes back to the principle and 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 what and everything that we're we're talking about here in planning and it and like it all begins and all starts with us asking the question what is the mission what are we trying to accomplish like what do we want and to start like planning properly you need to get clarity on what you uh what you want um like you are going to laugh about this because oh boy um, no no you, you know you're gonna laugh because you know me um most of my best experiences with customers and even in testimonials and stuff is they'll end up saying uh the one of the best things about phil is he made me stop and slow down for a minute to go through and really plan out the project in the beginning yes. and set us up for success yes and the reason I say you're going to laugh is because you imagine me stopping for anything and then do planning, right? But with, with my customers, I do because uh, this will this will fail any pro, uh, software projects, right? Or yeah. I'd say probably any engineering project at all, no matter what it is. Poor planning and well, uh, even more, not learning the voice and intent of your customer. So... Honestly, it'll fail anything. Like you cannot go, you cannot go into, you can't even go into marketing and be and trying to market your product without an actual without a plan. Like you oh, can't. That's the the biggest plan there could be. Yes. What more? What, what more you know, everybody's. I, I get a kick out of this. Like Phil, just design something for me. I don't care. And then I'm like, I t- I have fun with that. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's something I I threw it together for you. Like, well, that's nothing what I was thinking. I'll go, of course. Exactly. Because you <laughs> right? didn't tell me. Like, oh, okay, fine. I'll do the meeting now. Yes. <laughs> I, but like, I, I, Phil and I are mainly talking very much about engineering and stuff, but I really want to dive into like, like and make sure people understand planning is everything for everybody. It doesn't matter whatsoever. whatsoever. Because like, like I said, marketing. planning. 
Hmm. Um, you know, picking the right college for your children, right? Oh yeah. With them to pick out the college. Yeah. I didn't plan at all and it turned out okay, but could have been much better if I planned. You know. Oh, my big plan leading up to it was to get really good grades in middle school and high school. I did, and it worked out. Awesome. I didn't plan on. I didn't properly plan, or I planned on the school. Got accepted into every school that I got uh, that I applied to, mm-hmm. and made it, and, and got to make my choice that way. And I'm bragging, yes, but like my point is, I planned for that, so I put in all the preparation for that, so I set myself up for success to get into college. Anyway, and uh, I don't want to dive into that aspect of it. <laughs> right. um, Tell us about your feelings with college. Um, no, I, I take that back. We'll, uh, talk about uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the the paid section. <laughs> <laughs> but the the so like it, it's everything. Like I I know. I know a lot of people who who sit there and are trying to start up a business and such, and they're just like, "Oh, I'm going to market things, and I'm going to I'm going to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks." Well, you can do that, but you're going to end up wasting a ton of time for yourself on your for it, and things aren't really going to um, click. Like, you're not going to find the people that you're looking for on with that. You're you're going to get like it's just going to get bad. So like planning is extremely important. And the first step is always getting clarity on what you are trying to do. Like I, I I'm big on, on that and analyze keeping, the mission, for example, wait, what say that again? Like analyze the mission, for example. Yes. Yeah. And like for leaders, it's also very much, you need not, you don't, you need to be clear on what you want to be accomplished. Like they've talked, I think we've talked about this before and they talk about it again is the commander's intent. Like what is your intent behind what, what's going on? What are you trying to do? As soon as you get clarity on that and you know what that is, you, you have to communicate that to the people under you so that they understand and they know, and they can be, uh, be a part of that and, and everything. The other aspect, and I'm like, I'm just like going and rambling and stuff because in one regard, like this is something I am very passionate about is just making sure we have a plan. Well, at your level, this is your career. <laughs> this is where you make your butter. <laughs> it's true. World. I mean, I, I like I plan all of my apps out and everything like in my head, I've got uh, I've got architecture all sitting out in my head. In my new place, I really should get a whiteboard so I can. Anyway, I'm surprised. I'll be surprised if your whole like office isn't whiteboard walls. Like, no, I can't uh, do that, that because I need to uh, take that. Um, that office needs to be also a production studio, so I can't do a whiteboard wall. Um, hmm. Anyway, I want to get a um, electric whiteboard. Oh, um, uh, like a smart board? Yeah, I so much want one. Those things are pretty awesome. Uh, had them actually had them in my high school. Surprisingly, they were really nice. Uh, my high school was a technical high school, so they the county allocated a ton of money for the technology, and they selected like three or four teachers in the entire school to get smart boards. Um, very useful for like math. Uh, very useful for math. Uh, not so useful for history. So sure. that's like, that's a good, those are a good example. Useful for, for classes in which you're writing stuff on the board all the time and you want to save it. Not mm-hmm. useful for yeah, classes where you're not. Expressive. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, process. That's cool. Yep. Um, yeah, like this is, it's an important thing. And like, I so gave a checklist. And it sounds like you're talking through the checklist. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, That's essentially. Awesome. Like I, and this is these are all things that like I have come uh, landed on over the years as well. It's like one of the biggest thing. It, there's this one book. Um, it's like Peter Thiel, I think. Uh, it, it's uh, one thing, or maybe it's not Peter Thiel. It's somebody else. Um, 
I, I, I haven't read it yet. I want to, but the whole idea is that you focus on one thing and you, you make that your mission. And one of the big aspects of like, uh, I mean, I could dive into app development and just point out, look, man, look, the reason why apps fail is apps, apps try to, certain apps try to do way too much, just way too much. And when you try to do way like too many things, people aren't going to use it because you're going to end up forgetting the one thing that they do. You're going to avoid the one thing that they do. Um, if you're a streaming app, the one thing that you do is stream content. You have to make sure that your con- the content that you stream is solidified. Honestly, that's what makes a Netflix app so amazing. Zero to one. No, that's not it. Uh, there's another. Uh, search for one thing. Um, it's not zero to one. It really, anyway, um, but that is Peter Thiel's book. I've heard it's really good uh, and I haven't read it yet. But the other aspect of that is when you start, once you get clarity on that and and you give that to people, the other, uh, one of the other things is, and, and this is something that I had to fight against on a couple of projects. You, if you're at the top, you cannot dictate everything at all you you can't what you need that's it the one thing that's it um gary keller yes gary keller yes the one thing um the idea is the idea behind that book and and i want to uh and i I really want to read it is like you just focus on that one thing that one mission that one point of what you're trying to do and it just is supposed to be that you like your productivity goes insane your customer satisfaction goes nuts all of that stuff um there's just so much more uh in there and so maybe one day we should read that book uh and and i'd be game look at that um but one of the so going back to what i was saying you as a leader cannot dictate everything to your team you have to bring your team in on it you have to sit there and be like so like if i'm designing an app and building an app i'm going to have an architecture that i want and i'm going to outline the architecture to my junior developers and be like the this is the architecture that we're going to use i'm not going to be dictatorial in how that um architecture gets implemented most of the time there are certain things that i will be because it's like I know, okay, if I do, if we go down one path, that's going to cause us issues. If we, but if we go down this other path, we're not going to have those many issues. I'm anyway. So you can't, you can't do that. So what you need to do is you need to invite, uh, invite your juniors, your subordinates in to the planning process with you and give them the responsibility or delegate to them the responsibility of planning a portion of the app themselves so some of that could be planning a screen i mean honestly a lot of it's going from from an app development standpoint it's going to depend upon how junior they are how new and stuff they are for some people you can plan them you can give them an entire flow and they'll just go and implement that entire flow some people you can only give them a screen others you can only give them like one little portion of a screen and it's not just um, the pro, uh, like programming and, and things like that. Um, a really good example would be my like uh, my mom when she was wor- uh, working. Uh, she's retired. Um, when she was working, she's still working, but she's I, retired I, I, from. From what I heard, is she's working harder now than ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just different (laughs) um she used to do a lot of um i don't want to say exactly what she was doing but she used to work with people a lot and helping them change um and so phil don't smile like that (laughs) stop smiling like that (laughs) i'm sorry I just, yeah. It's I a like euphemism. To change too. It's a euphemism. I know. Point being, there is no point. <laughs> what I'm getting at is, so she she was in a job where she has had to help and work with people and help them change and get better at uh, get better at doing things and 
will really just put their lives together. And as she got higher and higher up in her job, her, what she would have to do is like, she couldn't plan out a lot of things with people because she was managing a lot of other stuff. So what she would do is when she wanted to, um, fix some analysis system that they were doing they she would delegate that to somebody and be like hey please this is what i would like this is my vision for it can you please go and implement and change that and they would go and they would come to her and be like here's how how we're doing it now here's what we're doing she would give feedback and be like yeah i like that i like that i don't like that change that that's how she would do it and then she then they would go and they would update the procedures and and things like that so anyway i talked for a really long time good job um and i think that's cool you flesh out some of the stuff so they give a checklist in there yes and um tell me if i got this right i'm just going to run through them really quick uh the first one is analyze your mission yeah and this this uh, the, this entails a few main things, and that's understanding uh, headquarters mission, understanding the higher ups intents and objective, yep. uh, and understanding the end state. Yeah, and I think uh, they should start with understanding the end state, but you know, it's all tangled together if there's a good intent and objective, I guess. So. The this is what's I think what's fun about this is. They, these guys are on the bottom of the pole, right? They're the guys busting down the gate, right? Yeah. So if you, if you take it a step up, right, there's probably somebody supervising two of these groups or three of these groups. And their objective was to, you know, improve, a, you know, to stay, to manage a three kilometer area. Mm-hmm. And then somebody above them was probably to manage a 10 kilometer area and mm-hmm. to do such missions whenever, you know, things came up to handle that. And it becomes more and more abstract. So it's interesting because I wonder what the, I wonder what it looked like on the president's desk. Right. Cause I no imagine, clue. I mean, between, you know, on God's desk, we could say, and then the president's desk, right? Not that God and pre- the president are different. Uh, I don't want to get in that conversation. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, maybe I'll have fun with that one later. Um, but the uh, can you imagine what it is? Like, you know, you're one guy sitting down at the bottom, and then you're like, you're sitting there wondering, like, I wonder what Bush, I don't know if Bush was the, he, I, it he was, must have been Bush at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So I wonder what you know, President Bush. It, it would say if something here went terribly wrong, mm-hmm. right? Now you know there are guys that were in areas that are bordering other countries, and they they had to be like, okay, we have to be super careful because we don't, for example, want to trip into Syria and make an international event, <laughs> a bigger international. Not that it wasn't international already, right? But, you know, can you imagine if somebody, you know, incidentally stumbled into Iran and blew up a nuclear power plant by accident, right? Um, you know, where would we be today? So, you know, you, you kind of think like, what would the president say if we did that? Um, you know, it'd probably be like, I told him not to, and now you're going to jail or something. I don't know, right? But, you know, looking up the chain, I think, is kind of interesting. Um is there anything to add to that one, or should we talk about uh, identifying resources, which is number two? Uh, no, keep going. Okay. The, the next step in the checklist is identifying the resources, looking at the personnel, looking at time available. I yeah. think those are the three big things they pointed out. And I don't I, know why I'm going in threes. I, well, threes. Three is actually a very special number. Anyway. But yeah, and that honestly, that one is not a super... Um, we don't need to go in depth on that one, but the whole point is, do you have what you need to accomplish what you're trying to do? That's the question. And if you don't, do you, do you, is there a way you can get that, get what you need? Right. And that's such a good question. What do you do when you, so these guys were faced with having the mission Mm -hmm. and last, they had everything planned out. 
Yep. Last minute, they got this information, right? Yep. And they're faced with maybe not being able to be in a situation that they couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. Do they cover tail and quit or do they move, move forward? Right. Obviously right. they, they made a choice and they made a story, but this mm -hmm. happens in business, right? Uh, I'm helping somebody with, uh, with their business and they don't have the resources to do it perfectly. Do, do we talk about the risks? Do we move forward or do we cover tail? Well, and see, and that's something that's interesting too, is you can, so, okay. Long discussion about that um, can be in, entailed, but the but the the point is, or not? Wow, I'm saying that a lot. That's <laughs> my friend. Um, so when you're coming to the the uh, this section and, and you're looking, you have your mission, you know what you're doing, and then you sit down, and you're like, okay, do I have the resources that I need to accomplish this? And I'm using resources in the broadest possible sense. If you do, awesome, great, move on. If you do not, the question become the question becomes: Is there a way for me to get those resources? And if there is, great. Then you have to move forward, and then you can continue to move forward. You get the resources, and, and you continue. But there, if there is not a way for you to get those re resources, the question then becomes: How do I operate with the resources do I, that I have? And it, when that happens, you need to actually go back to step one. You need to go back to the mission and say, okay. I do not have the resources that I need to accomplish what I want to do. So I need to change my ex expectations and change my mission from what I want to do to something else. And often that becomes a, is there something smaller within that mission that you can, uh, that you can accomplish with the resources that you have? For example, if you are starting up your own business and it's just you and you have this big vision of this multi-million dollar corporation that does all of these many different things that way you obviously don't have the resources to do that you you don't you don't have the capital you don't have the people you don't have the product you don't have all any of that stuff so you have to go back to the, there there and be like okay that's my overall vision like that's the long term what i want to do let me let me shelve that for the moment and then you come back and say what can i do now what is there, what is within my power what is within my ability here right now to get me closer to that big old vision and that's what you step you take and sometimes when we are in like software engineering we have to tell our clients that like look you don't have the resources to do what you want to do you want this really big amazing awesome thing we can't do that for you because we only have so much and sometimes they get very frustrated and upset and they run off and try to go do it somewhere else and realize yeah we can't do it or they're like okay <laughs> they, yeah they, they do it realize it could have been done and then lost their lunch money yep exactly exactly so anyway next one move on Moving on. I like that one. Okay. Uh, number three, decentralize the process to analyze possible courses of action. And I, I'm happy they finally got to decentralize. <laughs> I, but this is kind of like what I was talking about. Like you cannot plan everything yourself. You, you just can't. And this also goes back to what you were talking about with contrarians and devil's advocates. Like that's why you want to bring in people like that as well to help work out the kinks of whatever you're working on. Yeah, and I just want to throw something there. I think the difference between a healthy and a, a negative contra, contra, contrarian yeah. is if they can provide solutions. Well, and let me let me or work towards the process of that. Yes, uh, so there are some some people who uh, will bring up an issue and be like here's a solution to it there are others who will bring up the issue and be like i don't know how to solve this like they, but they're open to solving it they're not yeah, they're, they're, asked, they're tossing out the problems 
and saying, help me circle around it or just give me the path if you know it. But I'm trying to circle around it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that and that's all healthy. That that that's all feeding into what you what you were saying. And I I just like you were saying it. (laughs) I love it. It's awesome. While I'm being contrarian. You're always a you're you're just you, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like the Sesame Street guy in the trash can. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, it's um, hmm. the Grinch. No, no, Grumpy? he is green. The Grinch is green, and the gar- garbage can guy is Oscar the Grouch. Is also green. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next one. All right. Um, oh, skip like decentralized. I love that one so much. Okay. Um. Determine uh, number four, determining specific courses of action and focusing on the simplest course of action. Yes. And then there's a final part of this one, uh, and I'm kind of blowing past the, some of the fun stuff, but empowering leaders to determine courses of action. Well, see, so and, it was a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is like the next the next few steps after that are basically all about um, how, how do you manage risk? And that's um, that's that's the ne- those are the next things like that. But I think one um, determine a specific course of action and keeping it simple is extremely important. If we go back to another uh, chapter where they talk about simple, it's very like it's very easy to to get super complicated and, over, and overly complex with plans and stuff. And and again, like this goes back to if you're the leader, you can't plan every aspect of it, and so you need to delegate. So you need to keep your 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 intent your 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 mission simple so that the people below you can go and get it make it a little more complicated but they also need to keep it simple and be able to move forward as well so anyway but i I, in the big one to me is definitely empowering the people below you like there, there's the concept of servant leadership, and I'm not exactly 100% behind that. Um, I kind of am. I'm like 95% behind it. I would say I am in the a- aspect of you, like a servant leader is the type of leader that has a vision for where they want things to go. They lay that vision out for the people below them. They guide the people below them, but then they're also there to help the people below them. That's the vision, the vision of what I I view as Um, very often people with like, who focus on servant leadership always end up just focusing on that. I'm here for you aspect. Yeah. It's not about submission. Um, Yeah. And I, I don't want to, I actually, I'm, I want to circle back to that later because we don't, if we do that now, it'll take, oh, it'll take forever. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the other thing is, okay. Yeah. The other aspect of this checklist is you need to be flexible, be flexible with your plan. Like again, no, if my plans are perfect from the beginning, what are you talking about? I don't need flexibility. Nothing ever goes wrong with any plan I've ever made. I mean, how can it? I shoot. I consider if I should have shot, I shoot again, and then I aim. What's wrong with that plan? <laughs> it can never go wrong. <laughs> ever. Not even Moving involved. on. Moving on. I think we, we can all catch Phil's sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is i see this i do see it a lot with people it kind of goes into this whole idea of and maybe we've talked about it before but maybe we haven't um growth mindset versus fixed mindset where a growth mindset is always curious and is adapting to the new to situations as they pop up but a fixed mindset is one that Days and it just doesn't adapt. It's uh, it's my way or the highway type of mindset. Um, so if you are planning and creating things, you need to be flexible enough with your plan to adjust to uh, new stuff that's coming in. So that, I think that's an important aspect of it. The other thing is that you have to like tell people the, your plan. Um, I mean, we kind of talked about this, the I intend to in a previous uh, 
previous yeah that's part of um, decentralized control you have to have your leaders your leaders below you uh tell you what they actually intend to do yep and they got to be able to in that intent get, uh, have a general idea what to do if things have to change or likely things uh what to do if likely things happen that are outside of their plan yeah 100 percent true you are correct then the next one and this is a big one because people really don't do a very do a good job of this is once you've executed your plan once you've done your thing you need to sit down and actually debrief it you need to sit down and review and see what happened and this is honestly one of the worst one of the everybody is so keen so so in the in especially in in the, the world that i the, that i am in and i've seen this way too much is we we are too keen to move on to the next thing the next we thing is always so shiny yes and it's always super pressing like we don't we don't want to move on we don't yeah. want to we don't want to pause Take a look at what we just did and see what we can change the next time. We want to just be like celebrating the win. Yes, by the way, that's the other part of it. Like we just want to sit. We neglect this too often. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent true. Like we just want to set aside what we did and move on to the next thing. Like we need, but see, and and, or even what sometimes we and happen is we we want to we we just want to celebrate the wins. We don't want to review the losses either. Like we need to we need to do all of that. We need uh, so like when you're a part of a team and you are going through and, and working on stuff, what you need to do is like you you. You release an app. You need to take a day as a team and, review. and celebrate. One, you release the app. Celebrate that you release the app. Like you need to sit down and be like, "Woohoo! It's out. Yep. It's good." Put the stress off. Yes. Two, you need to sit down and review the entire process of that. What did you mess up? Because you know you did. Yes. But on top of that, what went well? What did we do well while through that whole process? Like, what did we mess up? What did we do well? So what can we carry forward and continue doing? What do we need to change? Those are your questions. And this isn't this the sandwich, the good news, bad news, good news thing. Mm -hmm. You can celebrate the win and maturely with a group of adults, look at what went wrong. I hope maturely you know, point out, you know, who messed up, messed up and uh, see what's the path for improvement. And when yeah. you do it healthy, it, you're not pointing fingers. You're not saying, you know, Phil, you really shouldn't have done this. What the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, Phil, this one didn't go the way you thought it would. What do you think? Right. Yep. And then Phil needs to say, well, yeah, looking back, um, that was dumb. Yep. Or, you know, that could have gone either way. And here's why. Uh, and I think here's why it didn't go the way I thought it would. Yep. Right. And those those are healthy, healthy, fun ways to look at failure and still look at success without being judgmental. And yep. you got you can't go into those things um, with consequences. It's right. all got to be, yeah, the, the, this is the, here's the problem where it goes bad. Like it cannot affect bonuses. It cannot affect, um, career growth. Uh, it, it just can't, there can't be negative consequence. Negative. There can't be punishments to it. And I know well, I'm messing up my psychology terms. But. So let, let me, let me clarify. Maybe, um, there cannot be individual consequences to these these things there can be um team oriented consequences and i don't mean that as a negative thing like saying oh the team's really bad the entire team's going to lose like we're going to drop them down a pay grade no 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 i mean team consequences in the sense of what is the team going to do what are we as a team going to do better next time to make sure this does not happen those are the consequences that we need to focus on not 
Phil, you messed up. You're not getting your Christmas bonus. Like that's right. go sit in the corner for the rest of the party. Yeah, yeah, that's that is not going to happen. You cannot do it that way. One of the big things that you need to do is you need to focus on be like on behaviors, on patterns. You can't focus on um, specific things. Like it's just hard to. to it's hard to explain hard to generalize but the big thing is like again you gotta just really focus on like what are the patterns that you're seeing and the behaviors you can't focus on the individual Um, yeah i think if you're if you're looking at if you're looking at it from the objective of growth and recognizing healthy and negative patterns and gradually throwing out enough information where they can refine stuff and learn and apply yeah. stuff and it yeah. give, you know, you can be, uh, for me, you can give me some really harsh critique, right? And I'm even more accepting of that uh, when you know I'm gonna give you some kind of BS comment, but also give me a path to help improve, right? Oh, now, if you do those two things for me, um, and if you do it with a little bit of humor, huge, awesome, right? Yep. Um, and I, I can handle it even like rough, but you know, a lot of people can't, right? And it's not yes. productive. Uh, so the, you got to know who you're dealing with. If it's going to be more rough, this should be more private, right? So the rougher, the more private, the the more general and helpful to the group in a group. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The, the uh, one, one, one big tool that I would provide everybody when you are doing these types of debriefs and such, and it's any type would be the five whys. Uh, It was developed by the Toyota company, I want to say early 20th century. Uh, Well, that's uh, Lean Six Sigma, Um, but that that kind of fed into it. Um, the five whys are essentially you go and you ask why five times. Um, the whole point is you sit there and you say, all right, this thing happened. Why did it happen? And somebody comes up with a, a reason. And usually that reason is like the most immediate reason. Um, for, for a really, you know what? Let me, let me recommend a fiction book. A really good book for, you, for people to read is uh, Airframe by Michael Crichton. Uh, the book is about a plane, uh, an incident that happens during a plane, um, uh, on a plane, and the investigation into the incident and why it happened. And it's also a, an investigation into the media's uh, reaction to plane it, incidents and stuff. And this was written in the early 90s. It's a very, very good book. Really, really interesting. Like, I, I love it. I listen to it every couple of years. But one of the things that they talk about in there is a plane accident, like a plane crash, is not just a single event. It's a cascade of events. There's one event that that triggers the crash, but then there's a whole series of events behind that event that leads up to it. So you've got event A, which triggered the crash, but then you've got events B, C, D, E, E, all the way down to Z that led up to that crash. And that's the whole concept of the five whys. You have an incident, you have something happen, you have an issue that popped up. What you need to do is you you need to sit there and ask, all right, why? Why did this happen? Okay, it happened because of this. Okay, why did that happen? And then you ask it like five times and you can get into the root cause in, in, in the heart of the matter. And it, it is very... It can be a very long process, but it is so important. And that's part of the reason like that that process led to Toyota's success and how important uh, and how powerful Toyota has become as a car company because they asked that five whys over and over and over again and improved their process over and over and over again uh, and got better and better and better. And now there's some of, honestly, there's just some of the best cars on the road these days because of everything. Like anyway, so that that's the tool. All right. What? Awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, so that, does that lead us in talking about the case study? Um, you know what? I kind of want to skip it. <laughs> I didn't like it that much anyways. Okay, cool. Because we've talked a lot about business stuff anyway. 
and the application of planning to business and just life in general, I would say. Yeah, we, we're just missing marriage counseling and um, finding out your kids' college before you have the kids. Well, we, uh, we, we did talk about college. <laughs> we did. I mean, the mar- marriage yeah. counseling or the marriage aspect of it is, well, eh. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to tease you. All, all right, right, go for it. Anyway, all right, we're going to switch over to the, uh, the, 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 the paid section here now. So talk to all you freeloaders <laughs> later. <laughs> all right. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode, but our discussion didn't end here. We actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast, please head on over to two dudes with an opinion.locals.com. That's two, the number two, dudes with an opinion.locals.com. And for the just the price of a cup of coffee, you can hear that full unedited version. And if you want to talk to Phil and I directly, uh, just buy us a you know trip to McDonald's. That's it. That's all we ask. Anyway, if you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just drop Phil a line and, and let him know what you what you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. He likes to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.